I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. And there isn't a subject that is being discussed around the dinner table other than this slew of new abortion laws that states are passing all over the place. Just today, we've seen a passage of a Missouri abortion law that's very restrictive. It's not as restrictive as the Alabama law, which essentially outlaws all abortions in almost all circumstances. And I know, Abby, you just love to talk about controversial issues. It's your favorite thing to do. Oh, you're being sarcastic. I'm being a little sarcastic. Oh, okay. But uh, I don't know that there's any other way to approach what's going on in the world than to address these topics because I think this is the most important thing that is bubbling up. Why is this all coming to a head right now? Well, it's all coming to a head because ever since Roe versus Wade passed, the opponents of abortion have been waiting for a moment when the Supreme Court has enough justices where they think that Roe versus Wade can be overturned. And they think that moment has arrived now. Uh, I'm not convinced that it has, to be honest, especially with this Alabama abortion law. It's, I, I think it's stunningly misguided on so many levels. Is it Alabama or Ohio? Well, Ohio has an abortion law too. So Ohio... Georgia, Alabama, and now Missouri have all passed abortion laws. Georgia and Ohio, they're focused on what they're calling the heartbeat. As soon as the baby gets a heartbeat, then it, uh, it, it's no longer, able to, you're no longer able to have an abortion. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas Alabama essentially says no abortions under any circumstances whatsoever. Do you know who Tommy Lahren is? 
Vaguely, yes. She's, this, she's some. She's a right wing alt right. Yeah, she's the worst, basically. Um, like the she, yeah, she she really. I'm I'm not a fan of her, but she tweeted. Um, what was her exact tweet? She was like, "I'll be attacked by fellow conservatives for saying this, but so be it. This Alabama abortion ban is too restrictive." And then everyone was like, "If Tommy Lahren is saying you guys messed up, then you guys really messed up." And then people were also posting this like fake um, like headline from a clickbait art- article or something, and it's like heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it was it was kind of funny. I well, don't know. Well, she's not the only one. Pat Robertson. Do you know who Pat Robertson is? Uh, name sounds familiar. Old too. school TV minister, TV evangelist. Oh boy, love those. He ran for president back in 1996. Really, really far right. Uh, he keeps getting revelations as to who should be president, and apparently. Those revelations are never honored, so I don't know what it is that God is telling him. See, God's like a magic eight ball, I guess. Like sometimes. I'm not sure how <laughs> that true. works. Sometimes it's not. But Pat Robertson said exactly the same thing. Pat Robertson said this has gone way too far. I don't know who wants this. You know, like even like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, like um, they like the they. I don't know who gives it where it says, but it allows like the church allows right. for the church policy. Is yeah, that I'm abortion... wording this so so badly, but no, you're right. No, in the church handbook, it, it says that there are times when an abortion is morally acceptable, including in, in cases of rape and incest. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who was pushing for, cause I, no women that I know would want that, you know, and most, I don't know. I just don't know who was wanting this in Alabama. Cause it seems like, I don't know. From the echo chamber I've seen on the internet, most people are furious at this. Right. Well, and Twitter isn't representative. Of no, anything. definitely not. Yeah. So when, when you get into the polling on abortion, most Americans are deeply divided and deeply ambivalent about abortion. You hear so much from the fringes. You hear so much from the hardcore pro-life people and the hardcore hardcore pro-choice people. That's true. That you tend to assume that everybody has staked out a very extreme position. That either you can't have any abortions under any circumstances or you, you should be able to abort right up until the moment of natural birth. And both of those extreme positions do not represent where the vast majority of Americans are. Okay, but I don't know anyone on that extreme position of pro-choice saying you should be able to abort babies right before they're born. I don't know anyone that said that. Well, anybody that's in favor of partial birth abortion is essentially making that argument because partial birth abortion requires that essentially you kill a baby that would live if it were delivered in order to be able to abort it and to allow that to be legal. And there have been a number of medical providers who've demonstrated that there is no pressing medical need for that procedure. Even I remember when this was being argued. I I don't know. I don't want to. I see. I hate this. This is why I hate talking about it because I could press you on this. Press me on it. There are are reasons that that could, that would have to happen that you would have like that. The mother's life is in danger that far along in a pregnancy. There absolutely are. Well, all, the partial birth abortion bans, uh, my understanding is that they allow for those kinds of circumstances. If the, mother's, if the mother's life is in danger, I don't know of any abortion law, even the Alabama abortion law, that prohibits an abortion in a case where the mother's life is in danger. 
Okay. So. Ugh, I hate this. Is I hate this. This is the worst. This doesn't solve anything. Everyone can just yell at each other, and nothing's ever. I don't know. Well, I don't see this ever being resolved. People are never going to change their minds on this. Really. I think you're right. I think it's a very difficult thing, and I think that I I, I don't know anybody that is entirely comfortable with abortion that thinks abortion is a great thing that anybody celebrates whenever an abortion happens. No. Yet many people recognize that abortion is necessary in a number of different circumstances. And I think the vast majority of people believe that, you know, even if you are not pro-choice, quote unquote, I I always used to talk about pro-choice in terms of when that choice takes place. And if you are a woman and you have been raped, you did not choose to be able to put yourself in that kind of a circumstance. Uh-huh. And so that choice has been denied you. And so abortion becomes, I think, uh, a choice that, that ought to be considered and that is morally acceptable in those circumstances. And the idea that this Alabama law bans all abortions, even in cases of rape and incest, I think is a case of them significantly overplaying their hand in a way that's going to cause them problems as they try to get this overturned. Because it's going to get smacked down right away by the lower courts. And I think that the Supreme Court's going to look at that and say, there's no reason for us to even consider this. Yeah. And if that's the case, then what this is going to end up ultimately doing is strengthening the Roe versus Wade precedent, which is exactly the opposite of what they're trying to do. So you're asking, why are they doing this? They're doing this solely to be able to get it on the docket of the Supreme Court. Ugh, that's ugh, that I don't. I just don't like that. I don't like that they're using these are like real people. This is like real women's lives that they're using just for political gain, kind of. Well, not just women's lives, doctors' lives. Yeah, they're, they're talking about putting doctors in jail for performing abortions and, and for second degree murder. That's yeah. I mean, it's just bizarre. If I'm a doctor. And I've got a patient that's coming to me and saying, well, I need an abortion because my life is at risk. I'm a doctor who's going to look at that and go, how do I prove that? Yeah. Because I don't want to go to jail. Well, yeah. Like the first, like the the Hippocratic Oaths, you know, it's like first do no harm. Right. Like doctors aren't, I don't know. I, I don't know of anyone that goes to be a doctor so they could be like, I'm going to kill babies, you know. That's, that's crazy that they could be put in jail for trying to help a patient. I don't know. Well, it's... This is the worst. This is the worst. It kind of is the worst, and it represents the kinds of divisions that have have really um, just ripped our country in half over the past 40 years since Roe versus Wade, almost 50 years since Roe versus Wade passed in 1972. And it's the reason why evangelical Christians are able to look askance at or just look away from Donald Trump's infidelities and Donald Trump's clear moral failings and say, well, at least he's going to give us conservatives on the Supreme Court, and so that's enough. And it's distorted the way politics work in this country in such a profound way that I, I look at this and say, I, I, I think we, it, it almost has to get worse before it gets better. I want to talk about that when we get back from our break. You don't seem to be enjoying this topic. No, I hate this. I hate... I, I don't know what... Nothing I say is going to change anything. I don't live in Alabama or any of those states. Like, 
No, Ugh. that's true. I, I think, though, that you'll probably see a very, uh, very conservative abortion law pass here in Utah if Roe versus Wade is repealed. Although it's it's bizarre to me because people don't realize that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has, has staked out a very moderate position on abortion. Uh, and every time we go to general conference downtown, you know, you have all those protesters outside yeah. of the conference center. Uh, a lot of them are pro-life protesters who are protesting the church because the church is just too pro-choice. Which, <laughs> That's which, so weird. Which is kind of bizarre. <laughs> Have you ever talked to any of those? Have you ever been downtown and talked to any of those protesters? No, you think it's funny. I just think it's better to just not give them the time of day. Well, I don't know. I think it's kind of nice to be able to engage with people. It's a lot. They don't want to engage with you. They they have signs that say that Mormons are going to hell and like that women who are it. They they call they call people not just members of the church. They they have huge signs with derogatory sayings on them. I don't think we need to like give them any, I don't know, any credence at all. Well, they're not trying to be helpful. They're trying to be harmful. No, but well, I have a group of friends actually, or at least one friend who's involved with a group of Latter-day Saints who stand out there that say, hug a queer Mormon, hug yeah, a I've transgender seen that. Mormon. I've seen that. I think cute. that's a very positive fun that's thing. That's very different. Very, very different. It is very different. It is. It's kind of reminds me of like the Westboro Baptist church, you know? Right. They're, like, no, just don't, I don't know. Don't engage with them. They're not. I don't. What is ugh, this? Is stupid. I hate this. <laughs> this isn't fun. I, well, uh, want to talk then a little bit about the politics of it because we're not going to be able to resolve the morality of it. People's feelings on this are too deep. Uh, but politically, I think that the Georgia legislators have overplayed their hand. I don't think that the current makeup of the Supreme Court is eager to overturn Roe versus Wade in the way that they think they are. I think we'll probably see... Uh, so Roe versus Wade has come up a number of times for review in different circumstances. And uh -huh. the most recent and the most significant was the Casey versus Planned Parenthood decision in which uh, they were trying to make sure whether or not people had an undue burden in terms of getting an abortion. And essentially, Roe versus Wade got softened around the edges, but the basic principle still stood. And what that means is that anybody who's trying to overturn Roe also has to overturn Casey versus Planned Parenthood. And the more you get precedent on your side, the more difficult it is to persuade even the most conservative Supreme Court justices that it's a good idea to rip out a legal doctrine by its roots and start all over again. Uh, from all indications, Clarence Thomas wants to do that. Uh, from all indications, how old is he? Clarence Thomas is seventy years old, uh, and I think he's he's the oldest in terms of the conservatives that are on the bench. Um, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, uh, is I think a somebody who is would vote to overturn Roe versus Wade under any circumstance. And the the name of the third guy is eluding me. Uh, but, I mean, the conservative bloc, you have Alito, Roberts, Thomas, Kavanaugh, oh, and Gorsuch. Okay, I don't want to sound too, like, I don't know, liberal, crazy, you right. know. But uh, it does it kind of rub you the wrong way that the people making all of these decisions are dudes? <laughs> like, sometimes, like, obviously I know that it takes two people to make a baby, and I don't know, but 
you it just you just will never understand you know like what women are going through you just can't you can't and i understand that it's human life that people are concerned with i know but yeah it just it's just a very different situation being the person to carry the baby and to go to the appointments and to have you know to have that for nine months and and years after Right. You're the main, not the main. I don't No, of course you're the main. I don't know. I remember there was an episode of Mad About You where he says, well, you, you've got the bigger challenge because you're the mommy. You saying, oh, you mean it's harder for me just because I'm the mommy? Yeah. And he said, well, I'm thinking about this, but yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and then she says, oh my gosh, I'm the mommy. Uh, but that's right. I mean, physically, it's far more difficult. I mean, you, you are dealing with things that men don't ever have to deal with. And the relationship between a mother and a child is something that, that a man is not going to be able to understand. And so I, I, I think you have a very fair and accurate point there. Uh, I would say also, though, that it's not just that they're dudes that are making this decision. It's that they're unelected judges that are making this decision. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But, I agree. Look, we agree. Well, if we agree on that, though, see, that's what Alabama's pushing for. They're saying that we want to take this away from the judges. We want to bring it back to the state legislatures. Oh, maybe I don't agree. So maybe oh, no. you, don't, so you take back ah, Back to square one. Uh, but I, when I say I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, uh, it's because I think that in order for us to be able to ever get to the place where we understand each other with regard to abortion, where we reach some kind of consensus. We have to figure out how to make men pregnant so they know what it's like. Well, that's one way. Scientists? That's, that's See, if seahorses can do it, humans should be able to do it. I've never understood that. That seahorses, why are they just the females? Why are well, we saying male seahorses carry the baby? Because they, they do. But but then why don't we just say they're females? No, because the females produce the eggs still. They stay still. So the egg like is the, somehow like the, injected the, into the male? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's transferred. Like the, like the fertilization doesn't occur in the male. Okay. I, as if I'm remembering seahorse reproduction correctly. Well, that doesn't make a lick of sense. And they, and they have like male parts and stuff still. And they have like the... I don't know if seahorses have XX and XY chromosomes because it's different in a lot of animals, but they have the male genetic information. Well, I don't... Seahorses are wild. That's nutsy, nutsy cuckoo stuff there. I don't, I don't get it at all, but... Nutsy cuckoo? Uh, yes, that's a very Johnny Carson thing to say. Anyway, um, but I mean, looking at the makeup of the court, looking at how it works, the reason why we haven't been able to reach consensus is that abortion has been lifted out of the legislative arena. And we are able to make progress, I think, on difficult and thorny issues as we go through the give and take and the compromise and the battles that come in legislatures. But those kinds of battles don't really happen on the judicial level. The uh, the judicial decisions essentially establish a precedent by fiat, and that's it. So you think that the Supreme Court has too much power? Is that what you? Oh, I absolutely think the Supreme Court has too much. How power. would that ever be changed? Uh, well, we've it talked wouldn't. about that a little bit. I think there are a number of different things you can do. One, I think, would be to limit the length of Supreme Court justices' terms. Yeah, I do think they should do that. I think if you were to limit the terms to what was it? Is it twenty years? You would have a new Supreme Court justice come up every two years, 
And so every presidential election wouldn't be nuclear war over Roe versus Wade. Oh, that'd be nice. Which would be nice. Dang. And so you would be able to see movement. In, I'd also like to see, right now, constitutionally, you have the authority, the legislature has the authority to override a veto by a two-thirds vote. I would like to see the legislature have the authority to vacate a judicial decision by a two-thirds vote. Ooh, spicy. They wouldn't be able to make the judicial decision, but right now when the Supreme Court vacates a lower court decision, they just say, nope, this this system doesn't work. Do do it again. Try again. Yeah. And I would like to be able to see the legislature be able to say, no, this decision doesn't work. Try it again. I think that would add a dynamic to this that... That's kind of important. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about this when we get back from our break. All Welcome right. back to Abortion Talk with Abby and Jim. <laughs> just kidding. Well, it's it's just not a pleasant subject, but I don't know any. We, I, I think we have to talk about it, and I think the country has to talk about it, and they have to go through this process. And I think it's going to involve laws like Alabama's uh, coming into play. And actually being enacted. Right now, abortion is still legal in Alabama. They passed the law, but, but uh, until there's an appeal. Uh, is it, do you know, I know at least for the Ohio one, if you go to a different state to get an abortion, you're still breaking oh, the law. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And if, like you're, you, if you aid someone to get to another state, you're still really liable. Yeah. How can they do that? I don't know. I th- that does that strikes me as bizarre. I don't know. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, what's going to have to happen is that Alabama, okay, worst case scenario, Alabama passes this and the law stands. The law is upheld and all women leave Alabama. Exactly. Exactly. I would not yeah, I I'm thinking about like places I want to, you know, apply to medical school and stuff and I wouldn't want to move to a state like that with such restrictive laws even if I'm not planning on getting an abortion I just wouldn't want to be in a state that I don't know views me like that exactly and that's exactly how federalism is supposed to work oh my gosh and that's how it wow, does work good for me. And, and what you do you remember the uh, bathroom law in South Carolina is that about transgender transgender bathrooms bathrooms I don't remember how it ended up well South Carolina but I don't see yelling on Twitter as much about it anymore so assuming well because it's, it's it got been, resolved it did because they passed the law went into effect and the economic consequences for South Carolina were devastating oh yeah all of these like you know Bruce Springsteen refused to do a concert there everybody else pulled out of concerts there uh, people weren't holding conferences there. And everybody was avoiding South Carolina like the plague over this goofy law. Yeah. And they finally went, well, it's not worth it. The price of it isn't worth it. And they repealed the law. Money talks. Money talks. But the thing about federalism is that if you have a different legal structure in different states, citizens have the freedom to be able to decide which state they want to live in. Yeah. If you want to go live in California, you are in no danger of ever having... Uh, the right to have a safe and legal abortion taken away Even from you. Even if Roe Ro versus Wade was repealed? Absolutely. That's the one thing people don't understand about Roe versus ah, Wade. Don't yell at me. I don't know anything. You. No, I'm not yelling at you. No, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I'm just passionate about this. Because people don't understand that if Roe versus Wade is repealed, that does not make abortion illegal at all. What? Roe versus Wade. I am confusion. Well, what Roe versus Wade did was say that. 
there is a right to privacy in the Constitution, even though the right to privacy is not enumerated in the Constitution. Okay. So you have a right to privacy that is that comes from these other rights. Or privacy if privacy, you're from England. If you're from England. And in the penumbra of the emanation of the right to privacy. The right to or privacy if you can't read well. <laughs> That's lovely. That was, that was bad. That was very true. I'm trying to insert jokes, and I just do not have a lot of material to work with here. Not a lot of material to work with. No, the right to privacy emanates from other rights. It's like a ray of light that comes out oh, of the lamp. Oh, yeah, okay. I think we talked about that And in that the glow of the lamp is the penumbra, and in that penumbra is the right to an abortion. And that strikes me as absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it's absurd. But what they essentially say is, so you cannot... And, th- and then it creates this, this trimester-based structure in which abortion can be legal. In the first trimester, also- you can have no uh, laws that limit abortion. Second trimester, some laws. Third trimester... It's also interesting listening to people talk about it that don't understand really the science behind pregnancy. I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but... Doctors, like when they tell you you're blank weeks along, they're measuring from your last period. Right. And that, But that doesn't mean that you got pregnant right when it ended, you know? So they'll say that you're like six weeks along, but that's because they're measuring from the last time that you knew that you weren't pregnant. You could have just gotten pregnant like... Um, I don't know, three weeks ago, you know? Right. And so when they're saying like, you can have, a preg- you can, like, have an abortion up until six weeks, it's just like... How, there's no real way to measure that. You it's know? an arbitrary measurement. Yeah, it's an arbitrary measurement. And people don't really understand that. They think that, like, a pregnancy... T- I don't know. And it, it, it frustrates me, people talking about... I don't know. It, uh, like, basic science that nobody's really putting in the effort to understand. I, I think that's absolutely right. I don't think people are considering science in this. And people try to marshal science to their argument on whatever side of the argument they may be. And that's what the whole heartbeat law is about. They're trying to say, scientifically, this is a living, breathing human being because they have a heartbeat. Not breathing. They're not breathing because (laughs) they're in an amniotic sac. That's correct. Um, So By the time... Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Well, the the sac hasn't really formed... I don't know. Heartbeats... Heartbeats are... The heartbeat argument is interesting to me as well because they say that oh the heart's formed it's beating but it's not it just means that there's cardiac cells present that are beating and the instant that like you can take cardiac cells that aren't in a heart and put them in a petri dish and they'll beat that's just what they do they just carry electrical impulses it doesn't mean that it's a heart or that you know i don't know if i'm making sense no you're making sense well and these are the things that it's like you take you can take skin cells and it's not skin it's just skin cells but no, that was a bad comparison. Yeah. I don't know, but cardiac cells are really cool if you want to look them up. They, right. they, they're, they'll, they'll beat no matter what. Well, if we've persuaded anybody to go look up cardiac cells... I think every legislator, legislator should have to take an embryology class. I think that's actually a good idea. I'll teach it for free. Uh, you're Not in. for free. I want money. You want money. Yeah. I understand. I fully understand. No, I think that would be a great idea. I think anything that can create... Uh, interest and dialogue across uh, this issue would be productive. Do you remember Stephen R. Covey? Uh, Seven no. Habits of Highly Effective People? E- yeah, I guess. Uh, Stephen R. Covey always used to talk about the seven habits and the most important habit being think win-win. And he, and he used to give talks. I didn't ever read that. Am I not effective? 
you're not highly effective. I I'm suppose. moderately effective. You maybe. might be moderate. I think you may. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> it's going to be called The Seven Habits of Moderately Effective People. Check your phone as soon as you wake up. <laughs> be on it until you fall asleep. <laughs> I bet that Franklin Covey would sue you if you tried to use the seven habits of something. But that's a whole other thing. If your thing. pizza rolls, if you don't feel like cooking them, just eat them frozen. They taste fine. That's one of the seven habits yeah, of moderately that's, effective that's people? Yeah, that's number four. What's that's number four. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, he always used to talk to people about think win win, and he used to do that in an almost ridiculous way. Uh, I remember he went on um, Hardball with Chris Matthews, an old old cable show, and this was in the 1996 election. And he said, "What would you tell both candidates?" And he'd say, "Well, I'd tell them to think win win." And Chris Matthews says, "Well, how does that even work? Think win win. <laughs> one of them wins. One of them loses." One of them gets Air Force One. One of them has to go home. And he's like, no, that's a very outdated way to think about it. Uh, no, that's pretty much the only way to think about it. But he said he's always been well, able... Well, think, win, lose doesn't sound as good, so... No, it doesn't. Uh, but he said he's always been able to get people on both sides of contentious issues to start thinking win-win, he says, with one exception. And that's the abortion issue. He says, I've tried to get people on both sides of that issue to and, sit down and talk and with And probably the uh, Jennifer Aniston-Angelina Jolie debate. Oh, yeah? Also, probably uh, Edward or Jacob. Yeah. Oh, did you hear, by the way, that the guy who plays Edward is going to play Batman? The guy who plays Edward, his name is Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is My playing gosh. Batman. He's, he's I, thought, Batman. I didn't know that he was, it was for sure. I thought he was like shortlisted to. Oh, I, I'm not I think sure. he'd be great. The thing about Twilight... Okay, I'm going to talk about Twilight for a second because I need, I need this for you my own it? personal health. Need? The thing about Twilight was it had this amazing cast and they have all they all hated it. They all hated being in Twilight. You can watch Robert Pattinson's old interviews and he <laughs> detested it. They're so funny. Everyone should look him up because he just hated the movie so much. And now since then, they've all gone on to make like art house films and stuff because they have like the like the money in the station now to kind of just do whatever projects they want. And they've done like really cool movies outside of Twilight. Also, it had all the Twilight movies have amazing soundtracks. Everyone should listen to that. I have never seen and a Twilight movie. And that's my speech on Twilight. You should you should see the first ones. The first one's great. Okay, it's they're they're really I read funny. The first book. I've never seen the movies. I read the first book because I wanted to read about Port Angeles, that, Washington. I could also get into my furor over people just automatically hate things that teenage girls like. They always make fun of things that teenage girls are passionate about. Well, that might be a good point to end on when we get back from our last Is it? Here. Is that a good point to end on? It might be. Okay. Or maybe we should sum up what we've been like talking about. Like the Beatles. About. Everyone made fun of them when they were teeny boppers and little girls were peeing at their concerts, you know? And now they're the greatest rock band of all time. So teenage girls are always ahead of the curve is what I want to try to say. All right. All right. Maybe we should just talk about the Beatles. And Twilight. And Twilight on the way out. But... I, in looking at this, I, I think we're in for a rocky road for the next few years. And I think it's going to, this is probably going to be front and center in the 2020 presidential election, almost more than anything else. Because the timing is such that if the, these laws will probably get struck down by a lower court within the next six months. Uh-huh. And then there will be uh, attempts to bring it before the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court would have to pick it up. Uh, you know, at the beginning of their term in 2020. And so the entire debate is going to be focused on what the Supreme Court is going to do. And heaven knows what's going to happen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the course of that Aww. time period. 
Uh, I, She's so old. I really, really hope she can hang on because I don't know that we can handle that kind of a division in a presidential election year on top of everything else that we're dealing with. So I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I don't see any other way but through. I don't see any other way to be able to deal with this because you're going to have these southern states or these conservative states, maybe even Utah, passing laws that are going to take advantage of what they see as a friendly environment in the Supreme Court. And I'm not convinced that particularly Chief Justice Roberts, I think he's the guy to look at because Chief Justice Roberts has shown that he sees value in a unanimous court. He talks about, as a Chief Justice, that precedents should should reflect the general consensus of the entire court. And he tries very hard to focus on narrow decisions that don't upend everything. And I think that in his, just at his core, the idea of throwing abortion back out into the arena and just ripping out Roe versus Wade by the roots is something that is inherently um, loathsome to him. Loathsome. Regardless of how he feels about abortion. Sure. And, and, and that's the thing other people miss is that the judicial decision should not be about whether or not abortion is a good or a bad thing. It should be about the constitutionality Const- yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's lost in all of oh, this. Oh, that's totally lost. And, and, and I, think, I think you also need to keep an eye on Brett Kavanaugh. I think that Brett Kavanaugh has demonstrated in his short time on the court that he is much more interested in these constitutional issues, and he has sided with the more liberal justices oh, that's in more than one. In, I haven't kept up with that. Uh, I had a friend who was interesting. He said that uh, six out of nine justices are Catholic, and that since they can't ask them about whether or not they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, they're using their religion oh, as a shorthand. I don't to like determine that. It. Because how many? Because that's way like how many Catholics are in there in the United States? Like twenty percent? I don't know what the percentage is. I don't is. know. Somewhere that's there, that probably. seems that seems like I feel like the Supreme Court should be representative of the entire. Well, I think the Supreme know, Court ought to be focused more on legal outcomes than policy outcomes. That they ought to be about okay, we're the referees. We don't we, we aren't in charge of who wins the game. We're in charge of whether or not the rules are being observed. And with Roe versus Wade, they entered into the game. They said, we want this position to win. They took off their black and white striped shirts, threw off their whistle. That's exactly right. And so that has distorted the political process for far too long. And we're paying a high price for it. I don't see any easy way out on this. Other than the fact that we're going to have to wrestle with this. and, and Or move. Or move. Hopefully, like, on the bright side, maybe like our voter turnout will be... Probably not still. That's what everybody always says. Well, but maybe. We shall see. With that, we will leave you. If you are listening to this on the radio, please subscribe at iTunes or the KSL Podcast Center. In the meantime, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. We'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics. Twilight wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. <laughs> <laughs>